nobody's fault but mine, a podcast about life, faith, business, hobbies, and other random stuff that I think needs to be just talked about. I'm Eric Lindsay, your host, and this week we're going to dive back into the all or nothing thought process. Specifically, what does the Bible say about it and how does Jesus feel about it in regards to us? Now, this is part two, uh, uh, you know, kind of dived into it last week in last week's podcast, and we explored the all or nothing thought process or behavior that it entailed. Now, and it comes with pitfalls. It can it can be good and it can be bad. In a lot of cases, it's it, it's not necessarily healthy. Uh, but I can also attest to, uh, you know, I'm kind of the all or nothing mentality, thought process, behavior process, whatever you want to call it. And there are many times throughout my life that it actually has come, you know, a positive thing for me. It's helped me get through certain situations. But if you do too much and, you know, as anything, if you do too much of it, it can be harmful and can harm your relationship with others and it can harm yourself and how you kind of feel about yourself. So this week we'll continue to talk about the all or nothing thought process, but in a much more faith related context. But first, I always like to throw out some interesting information that may or may not be related to the actual episodes uh, or the topic that we're talking about. And this week, courtesy of Bino.com, B-E-A-N-O.com, here's some weird and wonderful facts. Did you know the dot over a lowercase I and J has a name? So again, I would just call it a dot, but it actually has a name. It's called, and I've got to be really careful, it's called a tittle, which is a noun meaning a tiny amount or or part of something, like the dot over an I or a J. So instead of it being a dot, you know, dot your I's and cross your T's, it's actually a tittle, add a tittle to your I and your J, uh, because it's a tiny amount or part of something. And here's one, McDonald's invented a sweet tasting type of broccoli. Now, I don't, I'm not really sure. I don't think I've ever heard of that. And I've, I've obviously never seen it at the stores, but in a bid to trick some people into eating vegetables, the restaurant chain tinkered with science to create broccoli that tasted like bubble gum. The customers weren't into it one tiny bit. Now, I don't understand you know, where they rolled this out or anything like that. I just don't remember this, but it's kind of interesting that at one time McDonald's uh, invented a broccoli that tasted like bubble gum. I don't think I would have liked that either. I mean, I like broccoli, you know, broccoli's, it's not, you know, it's not a cheeseburger, but it's pretty good. Um, this one's kind of interesting, but I, you know, makes sense. Apple pie isn't American. Now, you know, it's, as, it's, a, it's American as apple pie is a statement that we've heard, you know, over, over uh, the years. Although people in the USA are fiercely proud of the pastry cased dessert, the humble apple pie was actually invented in England. And I could, you know, whether it was invented in England or somewhere else, I mean, it probably goes back centuries uh, as far as, you know, being used as a, as a dessert. So, but specifically apple pie wasn't an American invention. This one's really interesting. This next one, it would take 19 minutes to fall to the center of the earth. So if there was a huge hole going all the way to the center of the earth and you jumped into it, or you threw something into it, 
it would take 19 minutes of falling to actually get to the center of the earth. So if you extrapolate that out, I would assume that means that it would take 38 minutes to fall from one side of the earth to the other side of the earth, which I don't know. In in one context, that seems like that's not very long. In the other context, falling for 38 minutes straight, you know, it seems like you'd you'd go a pretty far distance, but just an interesting thing. Now, obviously there's no way to really test this. So this was all used, you know, worked out using mathematics, but it's an interesting thing to think about. It would take 19 minutes to fall to the center of the earth or 38 minutes to fall from where I'm at right now to the complete other side of the, of the earth, 38 minutes of, of free falling. Next one, the Eiffel Tower grows six inches in the summer. Now, this one makes sense. Uh, I, I work with metal quite a bit and, you know, weld and automotive and that kind of stuff. So it does make sense to me to a degree. Uh, the Eiffel Tower grows six inches in the summer, and that's due to the heat making the steel expand. It goes back to its normal size when the weather cools down. So it kind of makes me think about like the Empire State Building and things like that. Um, you know, buildings in, in general that are steel framed. How do they kind of build into that, you know, six inch or whatever the inch, you know, differences between summer and, and winter and how that affects the actual stonework and masonry on the outside of the building? I mean, is there kind of joints that stretch or something? That's kind of an interesting thing to think about. And this last one, uh, which I love uh, because I love Chicago, Chicago is nicknamed the Windy City, but it doesn't have anything to do with the weather, which I've never known this. A journalist came up with the nickname because they thought everyone who lived there was a windbag. Um, so has nothing to do with the wind. Uh, a journalist came up with it because of, you know, everybody there. He just kind of nicknamed it. Everybody there is a windbag, blowhard, whatever you want to call it. I don't have any idea how real these facts are. Uh, in my opinion, it's named the Windy City because it's directly off a, a, a great lake and there's a lot of wind that comes through the downtown and, and all over it, I guess. But according to this, a journalist came up with it. So speaking of being a windbag, I get accused of that all the time. So rather than go on and on about all these uh, kind of crazy facts, let's get into the meat of this episode. So again, having an all or nothing attitude or thought process, according to behavior psychologists, can be very damaging. It can really alienate those around you or cause you to become depressed because all the good you have done in one particular thing can be ruined by you concentrating on one small event that you consider bad or that you did wrong. Now, last week we kind of got into this and the fact that you know, like a diet or an exercise program, you know, you're, say you're starting a diet and you, you become really committed to it. It's all or nothing. This is what you're going to stick to. And you slip up, you know, you have a brownie or you eat a piece of pizza or, you know, drink a Dr. Pepper or whatever. Uh, in that process, if you have the all or nothing mentality, it can really throw you off because, you know, say you've done two, three, four weeks of a, of a diet program or a nutritional program, and you've really done pretty good, but you had one or two or three slip ups during that time. If you kind of subscribe to the all or nothing thought process and you're really into it and and don't have a mature way of dealing with, um, you know, slip ups, it can really, you know, give you a, a, a depressed demeanor. It can really kind of say to yourself, I'm a failure. I couldn't even make it, you know, a week without doing this. 
Well, no, it wasn't a failure. It's called everybody, you know, has slip ups every once in a while. Um, or maybe the, um, criteria of, you know, your diet program was just too strict. You know, maybe it kind of shows you, you need to ease up a little bit, or maybe if you're slipping up every day, which I tend to, uh, on a diet program, I have a, I have a very strong weakness for Dr. Pepper. Um, but if you're doing it every day, then obviously, you know, you need to kind of scale it forward a little bit. And the fact that, uh, okay, you do need to be a little bit more disciplined from that standpoint. But if you have the all or nothing mentality, you know, typically it goes the other way and you start feeling really bad about yourself and it can really, really bring in some bad feelings about yourself, your actions, uh, people around you, things like that. Or for example, an exercise program. Again, you know, I'm going to go work out five days a week and, you know, two hours every time and da, 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 da. And then you end up not going, you get sick or holiday comes up or, you know, you're out of town or whatever. If you have that all or nothing mentality, it can really hurt you as far as setting you back in your overall self-esteem about your ability to stick to a program and uh, can really can cause some unhealthy thoughts. So having an all or nothing mentality 100% of the time or all the time in this case is not a good thing. I do absolutely think that in some cases having that mentality can you know be the difference between life and death, you know, if you're in a certain situation that requires you to be completely focused and get you in or out of a situation uh, quickly. Uh, obviously if you have a project or a life goal or something coming up that, you know, that you want to just really focus on having an all or nothing mentality can help you. Now, again, if you put a hundred percent of it towards that goal or towards that thing, and you start forgetting about other things in your life, your friends, your family, your faith, it can become a bad thing. It become, you know, it's, it's almost like an addiction type thing to where, you know, everything you have, all the energy and thought process is going into this one thing. And you're completely leaving these other things all around you uh, that make up kind of a holistic approach to your life. They're, they're left wanting because you're just not there. You're just not focused on it. And so of course, being a, um, a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, it can really be detrimental to the people around you. But how does God feel about this? Or how does Jesus feel about this? And, you know, I kind of going into the faith concept of the all or nothing. Well, you'd be surprised. Thankfully, we have a Bible and, and many New Testament verses show us what Jesus specifically thinks about this. Now, this is taken from a Christian standard Bible to kind of help with the understanding of, of just kind of language and word use and so forth. So, so bear with me with that. But from Luke 5.11, then they brought the boats to land, left everything and followed him. This is a common thread that runs throughout scripture. God or Jesus isn't content to only have a part of us. He isn't content for us to delegate only a portion of our time to him. Now, in this reference, he is talking about the apostles and therefore leaving everything was warranted and correct. I mean, in this specific instance, Luke 511, he's talking about the apostles leaving everything and following him and learning from him over this next period of time so that because he knows uh, he won't be around forever 
and the apostles have to continue his message uh, throughout the entire world. And so obviously leaving everything and going and traveling with Jesus uh, and learning and listening and just seeing him perform miracles and going through this entire process of him on earth is a very important part of being an apostle. And so the, you know these individuals were chosen to do that. But he wants all of us uh, to kind of have some aspect of this. He wants all of us or nothing at all. And let me get into that a little bit further. Deuteronomy 6.5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I mean, it can't get any simpler than that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord said, these people approach me with their speeches to honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me and human rules direct their worship of me. Uh, Matthew 16, 24 to 25, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. Again, another scripture, Luke nine sixty two. But Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Looking towards Jesus and saying, You know, Jesus, please forgive me. Please save me from who I am and from my human um, issues, and I want to come into your kingdom, and I want to follow you. You know, in in essence, and again, I'm not a Bible scholar, guys, but this is just my interpretation. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you're going to go out and sow the seed, and you know, prepare the field and spread Jesus's you know word and God's love, and and you know, be disciples of Christ, looking back does nothing for you. It really doesn't. It, it, you know, it, it can, it can kind of bring you down just like, again, the all or nothing mentality that you've, you're doing good, you're doing good stuff. And then all of a sudden you mess up once, twice or three times or whatever. And you just feel like you're a complete failure in this context. Looking back is, is kind of what he's talking about is looking back is nothing that that life is over. That life's dead. It's gone. Don't ever look back to that. You can only look forward. You've, you look to me. I'll guide you. So if you if you say that you're going to follow Christ and you say that you're going to do these things and you continuously just look back at maybe the things you've lost and you miss and in you know things the the desires and all that good stuff that you know you're trying to get away from and you can keep looking back to that that's just opening the the world to come into your life and and take over again and take your sight off of Jesus, you know. So he wants you to be completely focused on him. Uh, Hebrews 10, 38 and 39, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him, but we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. So again, all or nothing, you know, now in, in context, again, looking back and seeing what you've done wrong you know, uh, over your lifetime or seeing some things that you, you made some mistakes and you messed up. I don't necessarily think that that's unhealthy. And I don't think that's, that's necessarily, Oh, can't do that. Or I'm automatically not a Christian anymore. 
because I do think it helps you, especially in, in decisions and things coming up in your future life. I mean, when you're, when you get tempted to do these things again, you can look back and, and maybe gain some strength from, well, how did I cope with that? How did I get out of that situation? How did I, how did I not do that and learn, you know, those, those tricks and tips and behaviors and so forth to just not fall prey to that, you know, again, now that's not necessarily a bad thing, but if you continuously look back and, and again, in kind of the overall overarching theme of this is I'm not worthy to be a Christian because of X or because of Y, you know, God doesn't want you to do that. Jesus didn't want you to do that. You've already been forgiven for that when you asked him to, to enter your life and your heart. He, he's always, he's already said enough. That's gone. Move forward. Look at me. That part of you is dead. The new part of you is alive. So don't look back. Don't let that one thing or two things or three things or 50 million things that you failed in the past bring you down. Move forward. Follow me. James 1, 6 through 8. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. He's wanting you to be absolutely focused on him without doubting. Don't be tossed by the sea, you know, just a sail in the wind going wherever it blows you. Be steadfast in his word. Be steadfast in your faith. Look to him. But my righteous one will live by faith, and if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. Second Peter 2, 20-22 For if, having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated, the last state is worse for them than the first. So again, I'm going to read, read that one more time. For if, having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these and defeated, the last state is worse for them than the first. You know, when you didn't even know about Jesus is, is better than when you gave your life to him and you knew about him and you knew the right thing to do and then get pulled back into that same old, old life. He's saying, I would rather have that first person who didn't know anything about faith or forgiveness or sin, you know, from a, from an overall uh, Christian standpoint, I'd rather have that person than the person who knows everything about the Bible, you know, and, and well, let me back up. Then the person who knows about the Bible has read the word and knows these things. And then he keeps backsliding. He keeps going back. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy command delivered to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a washed sow returns to wallowing in the mud. Jesus doesn't want that for you. Jesus is, is begging you to say, listen, you are, you are a new 
when you asked me into your life and your heart and gave your heart to me and the Holy Spirit, you know, is, is, is in you now and you ignore it, you absolutely turn away and keep going back to the, to the same old, same old that you were doing before. I would have rather known the first guy than the second guy. You're like a dog that returns to its own vomit. Wow. I mean, how graphic is that? You're like a cow, a washed sow. Well, that's actually a pig, a washed sow who then returns to wallowing in the mud. So you, this pig's all nice and clean. You washed it all up and it's clean and it's awesome, pretty. And all of a sudden, what does he do? Goes back right back to the mud pit and just wallows in it. God doesn't want that. And lastly, Revelation 3, 15, 16. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. He doesn't want lukewarmness. He doesn't want that. Again, he would rather be, you're either cold and never knew me or burning up because now you do know me not lukewarm. And guys, I'm not, I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you. This is hard. This is hard to do, especially on a day-to-day basis. But this is what Jesus says about the all or nothing. He wants all of you or nothing. I mean, I don't know how much more finite this gets. He wants all of you or nothing. And he says it several times throughout the scripture. In all these verses that I've just read to you, he's saying it crystal clear. So, although having an all-or-nothing mindset can be useful in some areas of your life, in all of it, it can be unhealthy. Jesus, however, wants all of us, all of the time, not to be lukewarm about faith or his love, all in, focused. While we desire to give him everything, there will certainly be times when we falter. There will be times when we pull back and must repent. There will be times when we discover an area of our life that is, that is just not yielded to him, and we must make adjustments. That's life. Making adjustments, learning, growing, becoming a better human being and a better Christian. I admit that my journey will never stop. I will never graduate from learning valuable and powerful lessons in life and in faith until the day I die. The ultimate graduation, as my pastor said this last week in church. Start today. It's never too late until it's too late. You can do this. If you have an all or nothing mentality about life and you have these characteristics, Put it towards God. If you don't, learn about it through practicing in your faith. So maybe you're not an all or nothing person. Well, this is a good area to kind of start having some discipline is in your faith. Put it towards something that really means something. Jesus would really think that's cool. He really would. Guys, thanks for listening. For nobody's fault but mine, this is Eric Lindsay. And remember, anything in excess can be harmful, but excess faith in God never hurt anyone. Guys, we'll see you next week. God bless. Take care.